The top stories from the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This is the All Local. Good morning. I'm Chris Ancarlo, and here's what's happening. A big cache of fentanyl is off the streets, and KCBS's Alice Wirtz has more on a bust that wrapped up two men and two teens. Even though it was a huge bust in San Leandro, spokesperson Ty Modest with the Alameda County Sheriff's Department says the fentanyl crisis goes on and on. You know, it's a it's a continuous effort to um, battle against this epidemic of, you know, fentanyl, fentanyl overdosing that we're seeing in our communities. It was a modest house in San Leandro that was the site of the manufacturing and trafficking of the deadly drugs and other related items. They seized 23 pounds of fentanyl powder, over 2,500 M3 pills, and other drugs and four firearms. Four individuals were arrested for the massive amounts of deadly drugs recovered. The two male adults and the two juveniles were booked and charged with multiple felonies. Modest says this major bust was just one of several in the last year, but there's still plenty more work to be done when it comes to getting fentanyl off the streets. Obviously, in the Bay Area, there's an expansive manufacturing and trafficking ring. Alice Wirtz, KCBS. San Francisco's downtown remains a shell of its former self. KCBS's Mike DeWald reports Mayor Breed is laying out a plan to jumpstart revitalization with a public safety push. That safer and cleaner downtown means making up for the shortfall of police officers. From there, it extends to additional incentives like tax reform and even some tax forgiveness. David Perry is on the board of directors for the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce. He says that will be welcome news to small business. Whether they're new AI developers, or whether there's someone looking to open a new restaurant or a bar, these are the sort of things that say San Francisco cares about small business. Perry says tourism in the city has bounced back well, and he's hoping larger businesses relocating downtown will provide a needed shot in the arm. Small business is the backbone of the economy in San Francisco, but small business feeds on some of these larger businesses that come in. Though he admits the progress won't be immediate. San Francisco is bouncing back, but it's a harder longer bounce than we had uh, hoped for. Supervisor Dean Preston has clashed with the mayor often on city policy. He sees things differently. In a statement to KCBS, he says the mayor's plan doubles down on failed strategies that don't work. He'd like to see investments in affordable housing and violence prevention. Mike DeWald, KCBS. Police in San Jose are looking for two drivers after someone was hit and killed while walking. This happened just before 6 o'clock Friday morning near Murill Avenue and Knightsbridge Road. Police say a car heading south of Murill hit a woman walking across the street. She was outside the crosswalk. That driver then took off. Then the woman was hit by a U-Haul van as she laid in the road. The driver of the van also drove off. This is the fourth fatal collision and fifth traffic death of 2023 in San Jose. Police say this is also the third pedestrian death of the year. A quick heads up if you drive Highway 29 in Napa County. Caltrans setting up uh, some emergency pavement work starting tomorrow. This is to fix storm damage near the intersection with Highway 12 in both north and southbound lanes. And uh, lane closures expected to start at 8 o'clock in the morning, lasting until 2.30 in the afternoon. Southbound work expected to be completed by Thursday. And then after that, they're going to pick up northbound lane work. And that will wrap up. That is expected to wrap up rather next week, February 20th. Just ahead on KCBS. I'm Kathy Whitman with how diabetics can avoid burnout. Diabetes burnout is not something that you fight or run from or you're scared of. It's something you validate. Well, diabetes is a disease involving constant medical management. And KCBS's Kathy Whitman reports on what experts say is the best way to avoid burnout. More and more people are diagnosed with both type 1 and type 2 diabetes each year. 
And managing the disease can be overwhelming with things like checking blood sugar levels, remembering to take medicine, and even dealing with the cost of that medicine. Diabetes burnout specifically is from a condition none of us have ever asked for. You know, I've been diagnosed with diabetes for about 15 years now, and it is a minute-by-minute condition. Chris Rudin is a fitness and nutrition consultant. He says struggling with the disease is normal, and diabetics need to optimize the quality of their lives. Diabetes burnout is not something that you fight or run from or you're scared of. It's something you validate. If you know someone with diabetes, being supportive is the best way to help them get through everyday challenges. There's not always a solution where our blood sugar goes crazy or something happens. It's more so about knowing that you're there for them. Rudin says that new technology is making life much easier for him and other diabetics. Now my continuous glucose monitor, it's implanted under my skin for six months. Without it, he would be checking his blood sugar levels up to 10 times a day. Kathy Whitman, KCBS. Friends, it is Super Bowl Sunday. We'll talk sports coming up here in just about three minutes. Coming up on KCBS, a subcommittee investigating claims of bias in the federal government. But is it really all for show? We speak with an expert here in just about five minutes. The Newswatch continues. A Republican-led select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government held their first hearing investigating claims of conservative bias in the federal government. Uh, claims uh, against conservative bias in the federal government. For more, we're joined on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Larry Gersten, KCBS political analyst and San Jose State political science professor emeritus. And as always, we appreciate your time here on this uh, Sunday morning. So this seems kind of like uh, an answer to the January 6th committee does it does it answer the call yeah that's a good way of putting it chris uh, the january 6th committee of course spent 18 months investigating one six that very famous day or infamous day of the infor- insurrection of course at the end of it they had an 845 page uh, book that really explained an awful lot that people didn't know what what this is is the republican counterpart you might say it's a select committee as you said, in investigating the weaponization of government. And, and yesterday, or the day before, whatever it was, they had a, a, just a litany of issues that they were considering. Uh, all the way back to Clinton's emails, Hillary Clinton's emails, back to 2015 and 16. Uh, the, the media and the way the media, uh, some argued, did not report uh, events uh, very well in, in the 2020 election. The WHO uh, and, and covid uh, at the FBI, uh, uh, where uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the chair of the select subcommittee, said he's got dozens of witnesses uh, saying that the FBI was partial to Democrats. So, so they've got this long laundry list that was issued uh, earlier in the week at their first meeting. And now we have to wait and see just whether they come up with anything of substance. You know, what strikes me is the fact that we haven't really talked a lot about this, whereas when J6 started, I mean, there was the rollout on the lead up to it. It was very carefully orchestrated. Of course, it was made for TV. All of the networks carried it uh, live. In this case, nobody carried this live, including Fox News. What do you think that says about this? Well, it's early. Uh, no doubt uh, the, the, the litany of very, very diffuse claims uh, really doesn't point to any one thing with the spotlight of sorts, uh, uh, whereas 1-6 did. So, so for, I think, that reason, among others, uh, the press is probably lying low and waiting to see what happens. So whether they actually find something to talk about? I mean, it's, it's, it's yesterday or, or earlier in the week, it was really a series of topic sentences. Is there, is there a there there? If there's a there there, we know that in due course, uh, the, the press, including the uh, TV stations, uh, networks, will come out there and 
with guns blaring. But so far, it, it's, it's almost a, a, a list of grievances. Uh, and, and at the moment, the grievances are without substance. But to be fair, it was the first meeting. And, and uh, in, in that kind of a sense, uh, perhaps it's just uh, the opening salvo, and we're just going to have to wait and see. But so far, everything we've heard from them uh, reflects things and complaints that uh, uh, largely Republicans have had over the years uh, and have not borne any fruit. The reach of this subcommittee expanded a bit thanks to the um, negotiations, shall we say, over the speakership of Kevin McCarthy. Is this maybe a sign that that sort of expanded power for the far right part of the Republican Party within Congress may be backfiring a little bit? Well, Kevin McCarthy made a lot of bargains. He had to uh, to win the speakership in 15 rounds. Remember, it went. Uh, uh, so, so this was one of the things that he went along with. Says yes, okay. You'll get your subcommittee. We'll go ahead and allow you to go ahead and do all these investigations. Uh, you basically have a blank check. Yes, if in fact they come up with nothing, then there'll be a lot of red on their faces. Uh, but, but in fairness, it, it's too early to say they're going to come up with a lot of nothing. We don't know yet. What they do in the coming months will be very revealing of whether there is just fact or fiction. And at that time, or as time goes on even, uh, the press may turn rather negative uh, if, in fact, they come up with nothing. So so this is uh, the opening salvo. We'll wait and see what they come up with. Uh, Kevin McCarthy gave in to them on that, and uh, it's not the kind of investigating I think that he would have approved, but he had no choice. And we'll see. We'll see what they do. But for the meantime, a lot of headlines and not much beyond them. And, and just really quickly here, what would be something? What would be something that grabbed your attention, grabbed the attention of the press? Oh, for example, if the FBI turned out to be so partial that uh, they denied uh, a lot of information Republicans had and, and exploited information Democrats had, you get a, you get an impartial uh, uh, agency of the federal government acting a way like that. That would be real news. Uh, if they found something in Hillary Clinton or or or, or uh, Hunter Biden's computer that everybody's talked about, that would be real news. But you know what? We've heard lots of stuff over this over the years in many respects, and so far. Nothing. Well, Larry, we appreciate the time here this Sunday morning. Larry Gersten, KCBS political analyst and San Jose State political science professor emeritus, joining us to talk about the uh, subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government uh, that held its first meeting this past week. Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts and stream us on your smart speaker 24-7 by saying, play KCBS radio.